heard about Drain the Swamp, what you probably haven't heard is what we're actually doing. That's probably true. So, we'll help you hear what they're actually doing. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's what we do. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica and Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK. 90.7 FM in LA, also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE, in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW, out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, in Grand Rapids on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day. On the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, uh, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow. Says me. From bradblog.com, thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, boy. Well, uh, Desi, uh, Desi Doyen, you're originally from Texas. Yes, I am. Okay, don't worry, you're not in trouble. <laughs> you're not in trouble this time. Ain't nothing I can do about no, it. No, uh, so uh, what's the old saying about the barn door? You're from Texas. You Trying to, to close that. the barn door after the horse has already left? There you go. That's exactly what Bill Barr appears to be doing now following the death reportedly by suicide of accused billionaire financier and sexual predator and friend of Donald Trump's, that would be one Jeffrey Epstein. Two guards assigned to watch Jeffrey Epstein the night he apparently killed himself in jail have now been placed on leave. And the warden at the federal lockup in Manhattan has been uh, removed as federal authorities investigate the financier's death The uh, Justice Department said on Tuesday, this at the direction of Trump's attorney general and fixer Bill Barr. The announcement came amid mounting evidence that the chronically understaffed Metropolitan Correctional Center may have, may have, may have AP, uh, may have bungled its responsibility to keep the 66-year-old Epstein from harming himself while he awaited trial on charges of sexually abusing teenage girls may have bungled its responsibility. Epstein was taken off of Suicide Watch last month, as you know, for reasons that have still not been explained to the public, and he was supposed to have been checked on by a guard every 30 minutes. But investigators learned that those checks were not done for several hours before he was found dead on Saturday morning, according to a person familiar with the case. All 
personnel changes are temporary here. Uh, these people who have been reassigned for now as the FBI and the Office of the Inspector General conduct probes into the accused sex traffickers death. Bill Barr announced on Monday that he had directed an investigation into the death just a day after the president of the United States has re had retweeted an unsubstantiated far right wing conspiracy theory that tied former President Bill Clinton to the accused sex tra traffickers death. Now, I had hoped to not cover this story at all today, as I have finally been able to scrape and scrub most of the slime off of my body and my brain uh, following our coverage on yesterday's broadcast, uh, which you can download for free from bradblog.com if you missed it. That's, of course, thanks to those of you who support us at bradblog.com slash donate. But if you'd like to hear what you missed and you don't mind uh, sliding through Donald Trump's sleaze as it regards his alleged relationship with Jeffrey Epstein and, yes, underaged girls, you can download Monday's broadcast. But I do want to pick up on one aspect of this story that was still developing yesterday, and I discussed briefly with my guest on uh, yesterday's program, Andrew Cohen, of the Marshall Project, and that is the manpower shortage in the Federal Bureau of Prison System, since it's uh, really emblematic of a much bigger concern right now under this presidency. As the New York Times reported on this point last night, shortly after we got off air, one of the two people guarding Jeffrey Epstein when he apparently hanged himself in a federal jail cell was not a full-fledged correction uh, correctional officer. And neither guard had checked on Epstein for several hours before he was discovered, according to both uh, prison and law enforcement officials. Bill Barr uh, said we are now learning of serious irregularities at this facility that are deeply concerning and demand a thorough investigation. Barr, of course, is the country's top law enforcement official. He is responsible for federal prisons. So as he closes the barn door after the horse has already left, he's also trying to find people to uh, to throw under, you know, whichever truck he can find so he doesn't have to take responsibility for the failure himself. Yeah, he says at this facility, right. according to Andrew Cohen yesterday, it's pretty much at all, all of the facilities. facilities. Right. He said, uh, Barr said, we'll get to the bottom of what happened. There will be accountability. Just apparently not for him. Barr did not offer additional information about the problems at that particular jail, but questions have been raised about why Epstein was taken off of Suicide Watch just days after reportedly trying to kill himself and then uh, being left alone in a cell without close supervision. No correctional officer had checked on Epstein for several hours before he was found, even though guards were supposed to look in on the prisoner in this particular protective unit where he was housed. They were supposed to look in every half hour, but they didn't. In addition, only one of the two people guarding the special housing unit at the facility normally worked as a correctional official uh, officer. This according to three different prison officials with knowledge of the case speaking to the New York Times. The official did not say what sort of job the other employee usually worked, but he was not a correction. He or she, I guess, was not a correction, uh, correctional officer. A New York Times investigation last year had detailed this practice under which federal prisons are now so strapped for correctional officers that they regularly compel teachers 
and nurses and secretaries and other support staff to step in and serve as uh, officers. The practice has grown at some prisons as the Trump administration has curtailed the hiring of correctional officers with a hiring freeze on federal workers at such facilities. Now, Andrew Cohen on yesterday's program uh, cited that as pretty damned ironic, given the fact that Donald Trump likes to bill himself as the law and order president, but he doesn't actually hire enough people to maintain law or our order at his own federal prisons. Many of these staff members only receive just a few weeks training in correctional work, these uh, essentially substitute correctional workers. And while required by contract to serve as substitutes, they are often uncomfortable in those roles. And even workers who previously held correctional positions have said that the practice of using these substitutes was unsettling because fewer colleagues are then on hand to provide backup if things actually turn ugly. Union officials said that for more than a more than a year, officials in Washington had been made aware of this severe staffing shortage at the facility in the wake of the federal hiring freeze. One of the guards on the unit where Epstein died had been working overtime for five straight days. The other one had been forced to work overtime that day, according to a union official. The uh, Council of Prison Locals has been sounding the alarm about the hiring freeze, according to Eric Young, the president of the union that represents federal prison workers across the country. But, you know, he's one of those union guys. So don't pay him any mind. The Trump administration has no time for the concerns of folks like that, I guess. Cohen uh, on this program, uh, he covers the U.S. criminal justice system for the nonprofit Marshall Project. He told me yesterday that this was a uh, an issue of chronic understaffing at uh, the Federal Bureau of Prison Facilities. He said, quote, yes, it's a long term problem, but yes, it's gotten worse under the Trump administration. Well, what hasn't? In any event, that may sum up a lot of our problems, I think, in federal government in the Trump era that have all gotten worse, aside from the hiring freezes, the Trump administration is going above and beyond to gut our federal government at almost every level, taking purposeful actions to not only not hire new people, but to fire in some way the old ones any way that they can. You know, the ones with the experience and the institutional memory as to how government is supposed to work when it does. And uh, specifically, uh, in a whole lot of cases, um, as Desi Doyen, I think you discussed somewhat in your uh, Green News report coming up a bit later, yes. how how science is supposed to work. <laughs> Get rid of those people. Yeah, well, you have to if you don't like what they come up with. What else right. are you going to do in the federal government that requires you to use science to set policy? They're they're not just not hiring they're actually taking extraordinary measures to get rid of the career professionals who actually know what they are doing, while in the meantime lying to the public that it has something to do with efficiency or better serving the public or making you know government more accountable or efficient. Two separate, very well-regarded scientific agencies at the U.S. Department of Agriculture are very much at the center of this right now, of this appalling tactic 
by the Trump administration to gut our government on behalf of corporate industries who find government rules and regulations, and yes, the rule of law, are just cutting into their profits way too much. After 30 years, 30 years at the USDA, the agriculture, uh, studying the agriculture industry, James McDonald, quote, knows everything about it, according to one colleague who, uh, of his who spoke with TPM's Matt Schuham last week. McDonald conceded over the phone, it's probably fair to say that I'm a leading expert on the organization of U.S. agriculture. He is a branch chief at the USDA's Economic Research Service, or ERS. McDonald said he regularly gets calls from grower groups, government agencies, industry organizations, all asking essentially, quote, help me understand how the economics of the poultry industry works. When you need to know that, James McDonald is the guy you call at the government, at the federal government for help. He represents the kind of veteran institutional knowledge that the USDA is now losing as scores of expert economists and researchers leave this particular department rather than uproot and move from Washington, D.C. to Kansas City in a controversial forced relocation by the USDA. And this is happening. This is moving ahead. This is going to be happening next month unless something changes. Heightening suspicions that the relocation plan is a poorly disguised, politically motivated purge of federal workers. McDonald and hundreds of others were given just 33 days to decide whether they wanted to make the move, whether they wanted to uproot their lives and their families in Washington, D.C., where they have lived for years, 30 years in the case of McDonald, and then move halfway across the country to somewhere in either Missouri or Kansas, and we don't even know yet where that is. And the deadline for this move, by the way, is next month. McDonald has decided he's going to retire early on September 27. That would be the last day that his job is scheduled to even exist in D.C., that after some 30 years of service. Still unknown, the future home state of these relocated employees. Secretary of the uh, Department of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, referred only to the Kansas City region in his letter announcing the destination without specifying whether that meant Kansas or Missouri. Kansas City actually cuts across both states on the border. Uh, so th they don't even know where they're moving, and this is next month, and right now they don't even have a facility. They have a, some temporary facility that's set up somewhere in Kansas City. Also, un But we don't know which state. But we Kansas know which City. state, yeah. <laughs> wow. Also unknown and a source of considerable anxiety, according, according to Shum, uh, this among policymakers and farmers and researchers alike, what happens when half of an agency, including a whole bunch of senior staffers with family and friends and other commitments in Washington, D.C., 
can't move a thousand miles away on short notice. I mean, uh, I think the school year has already begun, uh, has it not? For for most of the folks in Washington D.C. If at not, this point, it's, it's about to. It's and about if you to. Don't know what state you're going to be in. You don't know what school district you're going to be in either. Or you can just you know take a month of school in Washington D.C. and then in the middle of the year get up, uh, middle of the semester, get up and move halfway across the country for this ridiculous, absurd, obnoxious, dangerous idea. So, uh, you know... That's, of course, if your spouse can find another job as well there you go. in that place where right. you might be moving to, but you don't really know yet. Right. And you have to somehow buy a house there as well. Good luck with all of this, moving a thousand miles away on short notice. McDonald uh, has some idea of what exactly will be lost with this move, he, uh, in this report at TPM, he ticked off research areas that uh, sounds like he's describing battlefield casualties, genetically engineered seeds. He said, I don't have any of those people anymore. They are gone. We're not going to be reporting. We're not going to be doing research on it. Well, that's going to be good news for Monsanto, I guess. Precision agriculture, an exploding area of interest. He says basically just about all the people I have associated with that are now gone. I don't know what precision agriculture is. Do you know what they have any idea what that is? Uh, I, if I understand it correctly, it is when they put sensors in farmers' fields and those sensors connect ah. to satellites and help farmers uh, pinpoint with, with super granular accuracy what's happening with their crops, with their water levels, with their wind, with the sunshine. Got it's it. uh, micro-targeting, Got essentially. It. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So all of those people are gone. Don't turn to the federal government for help on that. Also, soil conservation practices... Kind He's, of a big deal. Yeah, a very big deal, given the fact that this uh, U.N. report out just last week. Was that last week or this week? <laughs> I can't was, remember. That was last, last week. Last week uh, said one of the keys to fighting climate change is actually found in soil and well, soil conservation and so forth. Exactly. That was the IPCC land use report. We reported on it in our last Green News report. And it talks about how climate change is turning soil into an emissions source, but it also could be a huge, successful climate solution and it can also restore the degraded lands of America's farmland that have been degraded over all these years of chemical farming that we've mm. been doing. Well, that those stuff people, does, that, that stuff, forget it. We're not going to hear Those people are all gone. <laughs> Again, more great news for Monsanto. Perfect timing, too, yeah. with, uh, with climate change because, you know, the IPCC report yeah. says a particular danger is that food crises could develop on several continents at once at the same time. Mm. The potential risk of multi-breadbasket failure is increasing, said mm. one, of the con one of the scientists. And uh, this is what they're talking about, decimating the science of agriculture. Yep. from the USDA right when American farmers need them most. Right when American farmers could save the world with their farming practices. Yeah. Uh, but we won't know how to do that because we're scuttling this agency, essentially. The raw data provided by farmer surveys apparently will still exist, uh, says McDonald, but the brains behind them, the ones writing the questionnaires and doing the analyses, that is all gone, he said. All gone. Donald Trump has killed your government, at least the legendary science groups at the USDA. Uh, it's not just farming. The ERS studies everything from food stamps to climate change to global trade, informing policymakers of the real world effects that their actions have on Americans' everyday lives. 
Shuam reports another USDA agency, the National Institute of Food and Agriculture, or NIFA, uh, they face an identical move and an identical loss of hundreds, hundreds of years of collective experience. This is not getting enough coverage. This is, I, I, I mean, this is just remarkable. The brain drain at ERS, he says, prompted by the rapid relocation, prompted loud protests from former USDA leadership, members of Congress, farming interests. But Purdue, the secretary, was steadfast, pushing the move, even as employees voted overwhelmingly to unionize in a move that union members described as an attempt to have a seat at the table in such decisions. Purdue and the others at the USDA said the move was meant to, quote, improve USDA's ability to attract and retain highly qualified staff, move closer to uh, stakeholders, and cut costs. That's the reason they're giving. For it. So improve the USDA's ability to attract and retain highly qualified staff by effectively firing at least half of your highly qualified staff? Really, Mr. Purdue? Uh, one USDA economist uh, who's affected by all of this told TPM that was a bunch of folksy BS. That's not the abbreviation he used, but you get the idea. The White House has previously proposed slashing the ERS budget in half, which Congress summarily rejected. But since this authoritarian White House does not believe that they need Congress or their permission to do anything they want to do, since they do not believe in co-equal branches of government. Just like after Congress had refused money for Donald Trump's wall with Mexico, so he declared a fake national emergency to steal the money that Congress had allocated to the military uh, for something else in order to build his wall anyway. When he couldn't slash the budget by half, they just decided to turn to relocation on this agency to gut the agency instead. While offering that folksy BS about moving close to stakeholders and cutting costs, that's how they do it. How'd that cost-cutting go at the federal prison in Manhattan, by the way? Well, I guess pretty good if you're Donald Trump and you might have uh, been implicated in the sexual abuse crimes of the guy who ended up dying there on Saturday during a purposeful staffing shortage, I guess in an event like that, it doesn't it works out pretty well for Donald Trump and his friends. Cutting government's great idea, actually. For some, we uh, we spoke a week or so ago about the uh, Bureau of Land Management. That's part of the Interior Department. They are now planning to do this very same thing. They are forcing their D.C. staff to move to, uh, we think, though it's not finalized, uh, just like the USDA's Kansas City move, uh, they're forcing uh, staff to move to Grand Junction, Colorado, claiming there as well that BLM officials need to be closer to the to the stakeholders since most of the federal lands that they oversee are actually west of the Mississippi. Well, uh, that's BS as well, since about 90% of BLM workers are already posted in the field. They are already not in Washington, D.C. Back where officials at the BLM and the USDA and so forth are often needed to be in D.C. So they can testify to Congress. They can explain budgetary needs, etc. Yeah, the BLM already tried this. 
back, I think it was in the 70s, and because there was such a high expense of bringing in the experienced senior staffers to come in to talk to Congress, that they finally said, oh, you know what, this is really a waste of time, it's super inefficient, it's bad management, let's move these people back to D.C. because Congress wants to talk to them and have them right there. Well, that, but that was B.T., before Trump? Yes, that's right. <laughs> Nothing when, matters. Back when facts matter. Anything yeah. we learned back then doesn't matter anymore. So, in fact, as we now know, none of this is about being closer to the stakeholders or attracting and retaining highly qualified talent. It is about gutting the federal government, period. No matter how important it is, no matter how much everybody in this nation actually relies on the federal government, we are cutting aspects of the federal government that people do not even realize, the bulk of people do not even realize exist until they need them for something, and then they will be gone. This is about gutting the federal government, and it's it, it's, it's kind of incredible that he actually said this aloud uh, last week, but Donald Trump's acting chief of staff and i think he's still the uh, is he still the director of the office of management and budget do yes. you know he still is both okay so he's office manager uh, director of the office of management and budget Acting director uh, of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, too. Does he still I have think. that one, too? I think so. It's hard to keep track of all well, the things that have been piled on he's him. He's definitely the acting chief of staff, at least for now. Uh, Mick Mulvaney, he actually explained out loud during comments at a GOP fundraiser uh, back in his home state of South Carolina what is actually going on here, incredibly enough heard about drain the swamp what you probably haven't heard is what we're actually doing i don't know if you saw the news the other day um, but the usda just tried to move or did move two offices out of washington dc i think to kansas city missouri yes you can applaud that one because that's what we've been talking about doing guess what happened guess what happened more than half the people quit now it's nearly impossible to fire a federal worker i know that because a lot of them work for me and i've tried and you can't do it but by simply saying to people you know what we're going to take you outside the bubble outside the beltway outside this liberal haven of washington dc and move you out into the real part of the country and they quit what a wonderful way to sort of streamline government and do what we haven't been able to do for a long time oh yes what a wonderful way to streamline government fire uh, effectively fire the people who have the absolute most experience, who know exactly what they are doing, who have been helping this country as veteran uh, federal officials for decades. What a, and that's the that's the uh, that's Donald Trump's chief of staff saying it out loud. Well, we can't just fire these people. I've tried. So we're going to pull this trick. Send them to Kansas City. You notice he said Kansas City, Missouri, by the way. So, yeah. by the way, USDA folks, if you're trying to figure out where to move to keep your jobs, apparently it's Missouri. Unless they've changed it. What a dumbass. Can I say that on air? I hope so. Uh, you just he, did. Yeah. He just, he just said it out loud. Uh, mind you, these moves are being challenged. The inspector general of the USDA recently found that while the uh, Ag Secretary, the uh, USDA Secretary, has the uh, the legal right to move the agency if he or she wants. Any expenditures to do so must be approved by Congress, which would almost certainly not be approved. They would almost certainly not be going along with this. Uh, so that fight continues, uh, but at least they are saying it out loud now. We are doing this to gut the government, and we're proud of it. We're delighted uh, about it.
uh, were delighted, even though among the USDA employees who applied for waivers to be allowed to stay in D.C., one employee who is going through cancer treatments right now, another who is suffering from advanced uh, MS, both of those employees reportedly uh, applied for waivers to stay in Washington, D.C., but uh, the USDA said no. Either quit your cancer treatments or grab your walker and start moving to Kansas City or you're out of a job. According to what the USDA has told news outlets uh, and what a union leader told TPM, more than half of the USDA employees forced to choose whether to relocate said that they would not do so. At least for now, that means they will lose their jobs on September 30 when they are expected to report to work in, as uh, Mick Mulvaney says, real America. The American Federation of Government Employees uh, local, uh, the president of that union, said in an interview with TPM that he believes Mulvaney also correctly characterized the administration's motivations. He says to use a metaphor from the Wizard of Oz, because we're talking about Kansas, the curtain has been pulled back and the wizard is just out there flailing around. The real reason is to reduce the federal workforce. In October... Of last year, former government officials, including multiple former chief scientists at the USDA. By the way, that is a role that is currently unfilled right now at the USDA. Chief scientist. Yes, they have not bothered to put anybody in that role. Trump had appointed a Republican campaign operative from Iowa, a guy by the name of Sam Clovis, to fill the role of chief scientist at the U.S. Department of Agriculture, despite the fact that Clovis is not actually a scientist. So that nomination eventually, like so many others, uh, when Trump hires the very best people, uh, was pulled. But in October, former government officials, including multiple former chief scientists and statisticians, raised concerns about this relocation. In a letter to Congress, they wrote that the ERS moves uh, move, quote, poses risks to the quality and relevance of the information from the agency. This proposal puts a world renowned research agency at risk. Skeptics also said that it reeked of retaliation from the Trump administration against research that political appointees did not like. One employee, for example, told TPM that some ERS employees' publications never made it out of the agency, and others only did so after extensive edits, redactions, and other challenges and changes that they were forced to make before they could put out this science. ERS studies everything, as I said, from climate change to food stamps. NIFA, the other uh, USDA agency that is being moved and gutted, they dole out millions of dollars in grants to scientists nationwide. Well, we got to put a stop to that, don't we? They'll just take the money and do science with it. Vince Crawley, who edits the ERS online research magazine, said, quote, this has been done so haphazardly with such disregard for how in good conscience and good faith you relocate people and an entire organization. He said, that's what I think has taken most people aback, that they are just doing this. No plans. They're just doing it. The only destination as of right now is KC, Kansas City. 
the temporary USDA office space that has been set up in August on the same day that Purdue announced this relocation proposal. Uh, it's not a proposal. It's uh, it's an announcement. They're doing it. Uh, on that same day, the ERS administrator of seven years, Mary Bowman, was reassigned with no explanation to another agency in the department, even though she had been leading the agency for seven years. They just moved her out for employees who'd spent years or even decades at ERS. It all felt like a rug being pulled out from under them, reports Shuham. Some have held out hope that a USDA inspector general investigation may stop the relocation. Responding to requests from Congress, the inspector general launched a probe in November into the legality of this move. But uh, ERS employees affected by it worry that they are the canary in the coal mine, as one uh, put it, a test case for future relocations that slash the size of government. Uh, ERS economist Laura Dodson called this a test case. She said if they can carry this out, what's to stop them from doing this on a larger scale to another agency? Nothing. 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 The only thing that will stop them, if they are successful here, is you. Yes, you. Next year at the ballot box. We'll take a quick break and we'll hit a couple of election stories I've been trying to get to for a while, uh, including at least a little bit of good news, an update on a story that we've been covering for some time. That's next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. <laughs> What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Yeah, I'm gonna take my horse through the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse through the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached. Welcome back. It's Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com playing that song for no particular reason other than it's a great song and it's been stuck in my head for days. So maybe <laughs> this, too. I know. So maybe this will get it out of our systems. Uh, welcome back. Uh, between last week's, uh, well, last week's mass shootings and mass immigrant roundups in Mississippi and this weekend's death of Jeffrey Epstein and all of the other nightmares that Donald Trump causes on a daily basis. I've had to put this story off every day for about the past two weeks, but I, I'm going to get to it today, right now. I want to make sure you hear this because it's one of the very few good news stories that we have been able to find of late. And of course, good news always takes a backseat to the disastrous news lately. Uh, a federal judge in Montana 
overturned an Internal Revenue Service rule that allowed many political nonprofit groups to keep their donor lists private. This ruling upends a change that the IRS made last year that permitted nonprofit 501c4 groups, known as social welfare organizations, to keep their donor lists private. Now, this private even from the IRS. A federal judge said that the IRS did not follow proper procedure in writing the rule and needs to let the public weigh in on the change before altering the tax code. Then and only then, U.S. District Judge Brian Morris said in the opinion, then the IRS may act on a fully informed basis when making potentially significant changes to federal tax law. So they may still be able to do this. They just can't do it the way they did it. Like so many of these other rules that the Trump administration thinks they can just come in and announce these rules. They don't have to pay attention to to public comments. They don't even have to have a public comment, period. They can just come in and pronounce them as if they were kings. Montana Governor Steve Bullock, who is also a Democratic presidential candidate, he sued the IRS, saying that the change to what groups must uh, report to the IRS limited information that states receive about political donors. So in case you don't remember, this is from last year. Uh, dark These dark money groups already receive money that they don't have to report publicly. They can get them from essentially anywhere. The only people they have to let know about them is the IRS when they do their filing. And the IRS keeps that private, although there are some circumstances under which, as uh, Governor Bullock argued, uh, that the, the states may need to get access to that information. New Jersey was also a plaintiff with Montana in this case. They have also filed a, a separate suit in New York. The state's attorney general uh, called the decision a big win for democracy. Not only did the IRS try to make it easier for dark money groups to hide their funding sources, it did so behind closed doors the uh, AG said in a statement. So this is the the ruling is a huge blow to the Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin, who said that the rule had protected donor privacy because the IRS could enforce tax laws without having that information. But this also opened up the possibility for foreign interests to influence elections. Uh, as Democrats had argued, and of course they argued correctly here. This, you know, again, they're called dark money for a reason, because the public doesn't know about it, because the Koch brothers can put, you know, millions of dollars into these groups, and no one knows that they have done so, or Monsanto, or Shell Oil, or Take Your Pick. Uh, nobody knows they have done so other than the IRS. That's why they're dark money groups. And the way that this Coke network works, it really is a network. They can have any number of these dark money groups that they can hide the sources. And then that dark money group itself can donate to a nonprofit group that can then run ads. And then, oh, the only donor is listed yeah. as the dark money group, but nobody knows who originally gave the money. So it's almost a form of money laundering. Which it already, right. And that is going to stay in place. The only difference here is that Mnuchin said 
You also don't have to tell the government about it. You can keep all of that information private. You don't even have to tell us. Exactly. So Russia can give to one of these groups, which can give to another group and another group, and then eventually make it to the candidate that they want. Among the organizations, uh, the the ones that we're talking about here with this 501c4 status, uh, the National Rifle Association, Americans for Prosperity, which is a group run by the billionaire Koch brothers, and all of whom, under the now-stricken rule, could have collected all the money they wanted from those foreign sources, Russia or anyone else, use it in elections, and nobody would have ever been able to find out, thanks to Mnuchin's new rule, that he put in place without using the proper rulemaking procedure that would have allowed the public to ring in on the matter. Donors to those uh, dark money groups uh, still, however, uh, do not have to be disclosed to the public, as I noted. So we're talking about dark money groups who were allowed by the Trump administration to go even darker for some reason by not even allowing the IRS to see where their money was coming from. So uh, there's some good news. That rule has, at least for now, been overturned. I'm sure it won't stop the Trump administration from trying to do so again and trying to make this work, but I suspect uh, the way the rules, uh, rulemaking procedures work, it takes long enough that, well, hopefully it will not be uh, in time to uh, keep Uh, you know, before the 2020 election to be able to change that rule again. So for now, at least, anyone who gives money to those groups, no matter where you're from, no matter what country you're from, uh, that information at least will get to the IRS. So some good news there. Here's a little bit more good news. A civil rights group filed a lawsuit late last week against the state of Texas over allegations that two residents' votes were thrown out by local officials. The lawsuit filed by the Texas Civil Rights Project alleges that two Texas voters had their mail-in ballots rejected after local election officials said the signature on the documents were not theirs. Well, they were theirs, and those voters are now suing. The lawsuit alleges that the state election laws allowing the officials to reject the ballots violates the 14th Amendment, the Americans with Disabilities Act, and the Rehabilitation Act of 1973. The case, which is joined by groups representing Texans with disabilities, veterans, and young voters, asks a federal judge to block election officials from throwing out mail-in ballots over questions about signature validity or to require that Texas must be allowed that Texas uh, voters must be allowed to cure their ballots if there are doubts about the signature even though Texas's mail-in ballot process should make voting easier for voters from these underrepresented groups, the lawsuit states, the current flawed process leads to the unlawful disenfranchisement of these Texas voters. In fact, the lawsuit alleges that at least 1,800 mail-in ballots were rejected during the 2018 election. At least 1,500 were rejected in 2016 due to allegedly mismatched signatures. According to the Texas Tribune, Texas officials uh, who are not handwriting experts, they're just election officials, they compare a voter's signature on the form to their application to vote by mail when they are reviewing votes, and that is then compared to their actual signature when they send in their ballot. The paper noted that officials can also 
can also compare the signatures on the ballot to any signature on file with a county clerk or a voter registrar that was made in the previous six years. But a lot of folks... Uh, well, certainly uh, folks with disabilities do not sign their uh, they may sign their application one way when they're asking for the absentee ballot. They may sign it another way when they uh, actually vote and send the ballot back in. Also, so that's one of the reasons why the disabilities groups are uh, suing. Also, young voters are suing because young voters now use computers for everything and they don't sign their name a lot. So they haven't settled on a uniform signature. And a lot of people just simply don't know of all ages and all abilities, don't know that signatures are going to be compared. And so they may not necessarily use the same signature each time they sign something. At least that's what the untrained Texas election officials apparently find when they just throw out these ballots. Oh, they don't match, in my opinion. I'm throwing them out. I'm not going to count them. And I'm not going to let the voter know about it. Exactly. They don't even bother to tell the voter. The lawsuit alleges that the law is applied unevenly across Texas County. The state election code does not lay out any standards for the review. So it's up to, uh, you know, from county to county, this can vary. So maybe your vote will be counted in one county if you're lucky. But if you live in another county where election officials are more strict, then they'll just toss it out. Sorry, sucker. Should have lived elsewhere. Should have not voted uh, absentee if you could help it. That's one of the reasons. This is just one of the many reasons I say do not vote by mail unless you have no other choice. Or you can drop it off at the precinct. Or drop it off at the precinct on Election Day. Uh, but Although I don't even think you can do that everywhere. I've been advising that for years. And I think somebody wrote to me recently that uh, in Pennsylvania, I think it's Pennsylvania, you have to you can drop it off. At the election headquarters, but you got to do it by Friday before the election. Mm. The uh, plaintiffs argued that uh, election officials uh, necessarily develop their own idiosyncratic, arbitrary, and ad hoc procedures to determine that a ballot should be rejected or not. Election officials do not have to notify voters that their ballot was dismissed until, get this, under Texas law, until 10 days after. Election Day under the current law. So they may know even beforehand they're going to reject it, giving you plenty of time to come in and cure the ballot to go in and say, yes, that's me. That's my signature. That's my ballot. I sent that in. Please count that. But, you know, you also don't have to do it uh, before Election Day. They're still certifying the election for uh, often uh, weeks out here in California. It's like 30 days after the election before it's certified. There's no reason that voters couldn't go in during that period and also cure their ballot. Just in case election officials want to say, oh, we're too busy to let people know right now we're counting ballots. We don't have time to notify people that we're throwing away their ballot. Well, you got plenty of time, actually. Because, you know, they're not going to be allowed to change their ballot. They're only going to be allowed to cure the signature, to come in and say, yes, that's my signature. Count the ballot, damn it. The Tribune notes that voting rights groups in recent years have successfully challenged signature uh, verification laws around the country in other states using similar arguments. You'll recall we covered 
the successful lawsuit in Georgia last year over exactly this, one of them that Marilyn Marks had filed, uh, where plaintiffs were able to uh, get a ruling that those ballots must not be thrown out, at least until the voter has been given a chance to come in and cure the ballot signatures. There's no reason they can't be given a week or two, several weeks after the election to do so. And frankly, with the possibility that Texas could, could, I'm underscoring could, could in fact in 2020 flip from red to blue next year. And by the way, this really seems like a possibility at this point. I know if it's come up every uh, few years in Texas, oh, will this be the year it turns blue? This could be the year. Donald Trump is underwater there uh, in his approval rating by about five or six points last I checked. He is not popular in the state of Texas. And there are several polls showing that several of the top Democratic 2020 contenders are more popular in Texas than Donald Trump. With that in mind, yes, every vote counts. And I'll tell you what, if uh, Texas is going to flip to blue but for a few thousand uh, absentee ballots that election officials decided to throw out under state law, I'm going to have a problem with that next year. So uh, good on uh, the Texas Civil Rights Project for filing this lawsuit and hopefully getting this mess fixed before, before primary uh, elections next year in the great state of Texas. Yeah, these voters' rights cases in every state are really important this year. And they're important every year. And I suspect this is just the beginning of many we're going to see between now and next year. All right, quick break, and we're back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. What? Right after this, I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. didn't work I, I still have that song in my head didn't work oh well anyway <laughs> sorry uh, let's get to it our latest green news report I think it's absolutely atrocious it's short-sighted it's exploitative Trump interior department moves to gut the endangered species act it's mind-boggling that it's still being considered at all EPA paves the way for controversial pebble mine in Alaska. Bad news for anything that breathes near feedlots. Plus, the one energy project that the Trump administration doesn't mind slowing down. Oh, what will it be? All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The earth may be boiling and broiling to a crisp, but according to a new study, men don't recycle to avoid looking gay. (laughs) Really? Really, men? Is there no limit to straight male fragility? No, there is not. This is your 
Green News Report. Dad, were you around during the early 21st century? What did you do to combat the preventable destruction of the planet? I like girls, that's what I did. Okay, Desi Doyen, I really want to know what the one energy project is that Donald Trump's against, but... You're going to save that for the end, aren't you? (laughs) Yes, of course. Uh But first, the Trump Interior Department on Monday unveiled sweeping fundamental changes to the nation's Endangered Species Act, significantly weakening the landmark 1973 law that saved the American bald eagle and hundreds of other U.S. species from extinction. In a statement, Interior Secretary David Bernhardt said the changes were needed to improve efficiency of enforcing the law while still protecting species, but critics say they clear the way for new mining, drilling, and logging in critical habitats. Not critics. Actually, people who know what they're talking about. Indeed. Among several changes, the new rules end blanket protections for species newly listed as threatened, making it easier to remove them. New language allows federal officials to disregard the impacts of climate change on wildlife now and in the future, despite its growing threat to many species like polar bears in the melting Arctic. And for the first time ever, officials will be allowed to conduct an economic cost-benefit analysis, effectively putting a price tag on whether saving a particular animal is worth the potential loss to industry, for example, despite long-standing language that prohibits consideration of economic factors. But they can do it now? Yes, they can. Well, these corporations are making record profits. That doesn't mean they can't make even larger record profits now on the back of dead extinct species. Several state attorneys general and conservation groups vowed on Monday to sue to stop the new rules. The Center for Biological Diversity in a statement said, quote, these changes crash a bulldozer through the Endangered Species Act's life-saving protections for America's most vulnerable wildlife. For animals like wolverines and monarch butterflies, this could be the beginning of the end. The changes come on the heels of a dire U.N. report in May warning that humans are driving one million plant and animal species to extinction with alarming implications for humanity's survival. Administrations come and go, but extinction is forever. Yeah, but corporate profits aren't going to grow themselves. A similar rejection of science is behind a Trump EPA scheme to pave the way for the controversial proposed pebble mine to proceed in the pristine watershed of Bristol Bay, Alaska, home to the world's largest salmon fishery. CNN reports that that decision was made just days after Alaska's Republican Governor Mike Dunleavy met with President Trump, resulting in EPA political appointees ignoring scientists in order to withdraw an Obama-era scientific determination that the mine would cause complete and irreversible loss of fish habitat. Former Bush EPA Administrator Christine Todd Whitman, a Republican, warns the effects will be widespread. One of the most troubling things about this administration on the environmental side is this disregard of science. They're, They're gutting science across the agencies, across the departments, across the government. In other news, environmental groups have filed suit to stop the Trump EPA from lifting restrictions on feedlots that require the facilities to report the toxic air pollution that they emit from animal waste. The Trump Department of Transportation has announced it will reduce fines and penalties for automakers whose vehicles fail to meet federal mileage standards. And finally, here we are. 
There is one type of energy project the Interior Department wants to slow down, the nation's first major offshore wind farm. Secretary of the Interior David Bernhardt has indefinitely delayed a final environmental review for the Vineyard Wind Project off the coast of Massachusetts. That's in order to consider the potential impact on commercial fishing in the area. It is a setback that could doom the project. And is there really a concern about commercial fishing in the area? Not any more than there would be from, say, an offshore drilling spill. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide while it's still here on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your... Green News Report. I'm older now, but still running against the wind. I am older now. Aren't we all? And, you know, coming up in, uh, I think it's a month or two, I think it will be our thousandth episode of the Green News Report. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of green news. You see how old? Uh, but who's counting? Uh, anyway, we got to get out here. Uh, let me uh, close with this uh, very nice uh, comment from Diane on Facebook, who uh, recommends the Brad blog. And uh, wherever you enjoy the uh, Bradcast or the Brad blog from, we hope you'll give us good review. It makes it easier for everyone else to find us. But uh, she writes, I've been following Brad since Florida, Florida, Florida. The Brad blog is one of the few remaining outlets for truly excellent journalism. Their information is accurate and they don't engage in the kind of wild speculation that the mainstream media news does. There are no annoying commercial interruptions in the Bradcast because the show is funded by people who listen and demand exceptional journalism. Even more importantly, the lack of advertising means you get news that is not tainted by corporate influence. You don't see the they don't make fun of Monsanto the way we do on uh, the in the corporate media. (laughs) They do do not. Uh, She says the Brad blog also reports on the issues that mainstream media largely ignores the fairness, security and accuracy of our elections, climate change and corruption in government. Well, I think we hit just about all of those points on today's show. These are the most important issues in our country, and you will not find better coverage of them anywhere. Read the blog, listen to the broadcast, donate to support the journalism, and be fierce. Love that. Be fierce with your impressive knowledge. Thank you, Diane. Aww. Greatly appreciated. Yes, that's really awesome. Thank as, you, Diane. As uh, we appreciate all of those, uh, all of you who uh, who leave nice comments for us, or especially stop by bradblog.com/slash/donate. To help us stay on your public airwaves. Do it for Diane's sake. If you uh, missed any portion of today's show, you can download it anytime at bradblog.com. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. We will see you there until we see you again here tomorrow. Until then, getting that song out of my head, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.